0: Hello everybody, this is Ryan coming to you for episode 4 of the Stag Raw. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing professional rugby player Mitch Graham. Mitch is a great man, breaks the stereotypes of front row forwards. Fascinating interview with this man talking about what he enjoys doing outside of rugby. We gained a little bit of an insight of how Mitch thinks on and off the field and the responsibility he takes in his role as a professional rugby player it's a great highlight for any young professional out there in business or in their sporting pursuit and mitch is a great man and sets an excellent example for what can probably be described as a complete human I hope you enjoy this episode of The Stagger Raw. I certainly did. It was great to interview Mitch and get him sat down. We have to apologize that the quality of the recording cut out there a little bit at the end, but hold tight and listen carefully because what Mitch talks about is really powerful and is, is really quite exciting to hear what goes on in a man's head as he's he's taking on a a large task as a front row forward around a rugby field, moving bodies, executing what can only be described as the dark arts of rugby, and uh, yes, so listen in tight, we apologise again that the quality failed on us, but uh, there's some real gems amongst there. I hope you enjoy. Awesome, mate. So what we'll start off with here, Mitch, is I'll get you to tell everybody who you are today, bro. Righto.
1: Um, I'm Mitch Graham. I'm a Taranaki rugby union rugby player, Taranaki Bull. And I play for the Chiefs as well. So
0: professional rugby player. Nice. So this is my title. Nice, mate. And what would best describe you as a youngster when you're running around down on the farm as a, as a five-year-old?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, i was a chubby little kid um all go but not very fast and um into everything absolute chaos i suppose but always chasing my older brothers trying to keep up
0: nice mate and be yeah and when you're at school behave mischief what were you like mate
1: i so pretty behaved. I was a little bit of a good two-shoes, to be honest. Um, I was, um, enjoyed schoolwork, so I did a bit of work. I went to uni after that, and um, but also played a lot of sport, played pretty much everything under the sun. So, um, yeah, got into everything. I think I even did stage challenge. I was on the ballet scene for stage challenge, so just did
0: everything. <laughs> nice, man. Um, you've got a bit more respectable haircut than you did the other week, mate. Um, tell us about how, how that amazing haircut-moustache combo came off and then really go into why you find it's important to give back to the community that you're in, Matt.
1: All right. Um, well, I've, I've had an injury. Um, I've just come back from a broken leg, which was a six-month recovery. Um, and over those six months, I decided I wouldn't shave my beard at all. Um, apart from keeping it out of my mouth because that's pretty disgusting, uh, <laughs> more hygiene reasons. Um, so I did that for the six months, and then um, at the end I decided I may as well do something good, good with it. So I um, auctioned off, no, not auctioned, raffled off the opportunity to shave whatever you want into it, um, and all the proceeds were going to Hospice Taranaki because they do some pretty cool stuff down here. Uh, I've got a few friends, family members that. Um, have been through it, so been through the place. Um, so yeah, I um, earned just over $1,800 I think in the end, which I didn't expect, because I set my hair, they could take my beard for all the number, um, for any donation, um, but if they made 1500 all up total, they could take the head. So I got a Mount Taranaki on the front, which was disgusting, and then suffered a moustache with two big old chops. Um, yeah, it wasn't ideal. I kept it for a week, made live TV, and a bit of a laugh, and for a good cause, so I was more than happy. Um, the reason I do it, I suppose, um, I've got the ability to um, give back. Um, I've got a little bit of a public profile, which, I mean, it's not my favorite thing about my job but it is something that I can use to really do some good um, so that's probably why I, I, I have the ability to do good so why not make the most of it
0: awesome mate a,
1: yeah.
0: and what other sort of things have you been involved with I know you had a, a special little thing going on last year with the Chiefs um, with young, young boy with cancer. was it developed a new yeah, new wee um, friend
1: so Kyle Arnie, um he's a little, little legend, or she's a little legend, sorry. Um, and we, um, with Liam Messam leading it, we raised a whole lot of money for her to get her treatment to live a normal life. Um, the year before, we looked after little Austin, um, Austin Manning, um, and we got him to America. Um, and I still keep in contact with with him, which is pretty cool. He's a cool little kid, and he's now learning to walk. I... He's been in a wheelchair his whole life and had an operation to fix his back and hips. Um, and I went to the wee Kids Triathlon, so it's the first event he's been able to compete in as a real like, as, as a real kid, I suppose. And he walked, walked across the line, nice. uh, um, which for me was massive. I mean, we raised a bit of money for him. Well, I got to know him, and he's a special kid with a special family. Um, so yeah that's the one I've I missed a lot of the Kailani one because of my injury I was away a lot Um but Austin was a awesome awesome little thing that we did in my opinion and um we're working on a few things to help the community as well this year coming hopefully if not the year after so potentially a big old project so we're working on it in the background um, and okay. touch wood we get that going cause it's cool.
0: that's really awesome mate um, and so you're, a, as you said, a chubby boy from the country. You're a prop. Um, how do you how do you deal with with the fact that some people might see that as a cliche? Where actually, deep down inside, you're you're a university graduate. You're you're a smart bloke with a massive heart, looking to help people out. How do you sort of break break down that that facade of you're a big strong lad who who pushes scrums around?
1: Not too bothered by it, to be honest. Um, I just do what I do. Um, rugby is an awesome career, and I absolutely love playing rugby. Um, but it's not all of me. Um, I do have a <coughs> sorry. I do have a life outside of it, and um, I'm working quite hard on a few other things as well. So um, there's definitely a little bit of that, but um, I don't let it affect me. I just do me, I suppose, and keep chugging along and. Um,
0: keep the, keep half of that hidden. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> nice mate. So I, I remember a conversation. You you went you went down to Canterbury to study engineering and business. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, and you sort of said, your first first couple of years of rugby was as you'd been at school all about fun. But like most New Zealand boys, you all have that dream to play professional rugby. What was the little switch for you, mate? That took you from a, a uni, uni student playing rugby to a rugby player doing uni?
1: Um, yeah, I definitely went down as a uni student. Um, I really enjoyed myself. I played under-18s that year. For me, there was about six of us that were at university, all first-year kids that played 18s, and we thought it was a lot of fun because we were bigger and stronger and We'd had all this development compared to all these other little kids, these school kids, so um, that was a bit of fun. And then I think I made the 20 under-21s the next year, and I thought, oh, yeah, it could be a bit of fun on this young pup just running around. And I had three years in that, so at the end of my third year, I I think I made the, the uh, Canterbury Academy in my first year in the 21s. Um, still thinking it was a bit of fun, a um, bit of a laugh, and... It was just an easy way of keeping fit, I suppose, because I'd lost my weight by then, lost lost my chubbiness. Um, and then, I suppose, my third year, under-21s, so I got a bit of a leadership role, and I realised that there could be a future in it, so I started taking it a bit seriously. Um, the next year, I made the Canterbury squad, um, which was crazy, and I... Actually, in between there, I trialled for under-20s, um, New Zealand under-20s, and... Um, That was the year that probably switched me i realized i could play good footy because i didn't see the trial coming to be honest and suddenly i got this phone call saying we need you to come to this camp and i was lost for words to be honest um didn't know where that came from because i was just this battle of plan varsity rugby and enjoying a few (laughs) beers afterwards um so yeah that year was the earthquake year down there um so i reduced my uni i had a year off engineering and concentrated on the economics that year, so that was the really, probably the first year I really took rugby seriously, because I would actually made the call to reduce my uni hours so I could become a be a rugby player. Um, the earthquake half helped with that decision because of the chaos and the life being a mess. I suppose it made it easier, um, harder to do uni, so easy to make the decision. <laughs> and then from there on, it kind of um, just took off a little bit made the Canterbury squad didn't play much footy I did a lot of training so um, I made a bit of a call at the end of that year and said oh, things aren't going awesome for me um, it might be time I leave uni and go get a job and get into the real world and get some experience on that if rugby wasn't going to work out for me so I moved to the little old Nackie um, got an engineering job and loved it and then eight months later, I was, uh, about six months later, I was playing for Taranaki. Um, and we had an awesome, well, we played in an awesome team that year and won the comp. And then two months later, I retired from, well, not retired, but um, quit my job. And um, I was a full time rugby player. So it was a bit of a whirlwind little journey, I suppose. Um, I got some pretty awesome advice from some close, I suppose, close supporters of mine, Um, I talked to Wayne Smith and a guy, Hadley Parks, who's played for a few teams like um, Auckland and Canterbury, who was down at Canterbury too, he did the same thing, moved home to Manawatu, Um, and and they really talked, well supported me through my decision, because it was a big decision ripping a contract up to go and get a job and chance my arm in a new region that i would never been to. Um, So yeah, it was, bit random, but now I'm home in Taranaki, uh, absolutely love it here and wouldn't play for anyone else, to be honest, not even the Staggies.
0: <laughs> uh, no, probably a wise choice, mate, um, Martin McKenzie might might agree with you as well. Um, <laughs> we, talk, we talk to a, a lot of people about sports, teaching them heaps about um, life and discipline and things, but what do you think university taught you for rugby?
1: self-reliant, um, rugby, life can be handed, you, handed to you on a bit of a plate, um, your whole day is planned every day, you've got to be here for team training, you've got to be here for team meeting, you've got to be here to travel, you jump on the bus at this time and we go to the airport, And so life is quite set out for you, um, but uni taught me that, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of lectures, so I didn't get out to many of them, um, I think, yeah. In my last two years, I hit 12 lectures, <laughs> so it taught me to, um, I, I did pass, just to clear that up, but <laughs> um, it taught me to really be self-reliant in my study, really be self-reliant in myself to organise when I need to do things, when I, how I need to do them, and how long each thing's going to take. Uh, um, so almost my project managing skills in terms of life management. Um, so yeah, that's probably the biggest learning I, I got out of there. Um And I also learned how to learn. Um, That's probably my biggest thing from uni, learning how to learn, how I learn anyway. Um, Because I've learned that every rugby player learns differently. Um, If I need to talk with someone or try and upskill them, um, particularly in a leadership role, you need to realize that they learn differently and you repeating how you learn isn't going to work for them. So I took a bit of... Of a long, long way to get there, but I knew how I learned, and that was my way, so I taught everyone my way. Um, and it turned out I was being hopeless, <laughs> I was going nowhere.
0: Um,
1: so, yeah, those are the big things learning how to learn and um, my life management being self reliant, which is massively important in life, in my opinion.
0: Awesome, mate. So, you you do the hard yards down in Canterbury at, at uni, or, or not so hard as some sometimes you said. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you play rugby. You move to the necky, obviously, with the goal to get a new contract. But yeah, you start a job. What's it like, as you said, resigning or, or uh, stepping away from the work work life after only six months? Is is that something that's in the back of your mind, or something that you um, that you feel good that you've got in the back pocket, or or, or what? What's that like having having those skills backing you up?
1: In my opinion, um, I don't work long enough to really have good experience in my role or in being a chemical engineer. But it's good that I have got my degree and I've put the time into that. And then I have done a little bit of work because I know what the real world's like, um, and I know probably how good I've got it. Um, what I do for a living is pretty awesome. So I realise where I would be if I wasn't here. Um, if I didn't work hard enough, I could easily be sitting back at a desk and doing safety work and writing out 50-page descriptions of a plant, which which is what the young guys do. I mean, I got the crap work because I was in my first six months. But, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. I, it gives me a sense of motivation to where I want to be rather than where I'd, I'd rather not be. Uh, um, and then, But the other thing, the negative in it is because I haven't really worked long enough to have a true experience, have true experience in my role, whenever I do retire with rugby, whether it's two years, whether it's 10 years, I wouldn't be 10 years, I'd be too old by then, I'd be broken. <laughs> um, but six, six to eight years, um, I will be returning to be a process, um, a graduate engineer, um, which will be uh, firstly a bit of a blow to the ego, Um A blow to the salary, I'll be starting from scratch. Uh, Engineers don't start on bad money to start with. So uh, um, for me, I'm making the most of the connections I'm making in rugby and really trying to work on business ideas in the background. So when I do finish, there's a chance I might be able to start my own business or do my own thing so I don't have to start as a graduate engineer and start at the bottom and do all the crap work that all my friends would have been through for 10 to. eight eight to ten years probably by the time I finish so yeah it's positive negative Um, absolutely love what I do but post rugby does worry me a little bit Um, and I'm I'm prepared for it and it worries me a little bit so I'd hate to see how the guys that have come straight from school are feeling Um, yeah I'm a bit worried for others more so than me I suppose Uh,
0: that's uh, good shows who you are mate you always thinking about other people um we had a good convo last year about buying a home and and probably just that short conversation we had kickstarted me into buying a home you basically said it's one of those things that you've got to prioritize and put your mind to and if you put your mind to you can do it um if you could uh repeat for us what what your journey was like to buying a home and and you managed to get a couple now is that right (laughs)
1: sold one so I've just reduced debt because I'm looking at a few other options um, for investment. So I did own two but I've got rid of one to reduce a bit of the debt and make life a little bit more comfortable while I think of the next step, just to cover that off. Um, But I think I was quite harsh in that conversation if I remember. Um,
0: It worked though, mate. I remember
1: (laughs) saying. A lot of people complain about not buying a home, but they have Sky and they have all these luxuries that they don't actually need. Is that right? Is that the conversation yeah, you remember? That was the right mate. Yeah. yeah. And I, if you really wanted to buy a home, you wouldn't have Sky because it's a hundred bucks a month, and it's if you. I mean, there's another way of getting. There's plenty of other ways of being able to watch TV, um, and there's plenty of other things you could do to keep yourself entertained at night. Um, so. Yeah, I remember being quite harsh, and as soon as I left that that uh, ketchup, whatever, I, was, I was like, "Geez, I think I came in a bit hot there."
0: That no, was um, but good. I do
1: believe it. Um, so, <laughs> um, so for me, priorities in buying a home. For me, I I didn't I didn't have the tightest lifestyle alive. I wasn't I wasn't um, I was going to say something that could be quite bad. Um, I wasn't the biggest scrooge around. Um I had I enjoyed my night, so I, if I went to town I didn't not buy drinks so I enjoyed my night. but all those little days, all those days, I don't go out and buy coffees because I don't like coffee, which helps. <laughs> um, I don't go and buy lunches. I try I tried to reduce the amount of meals I buy out as much as possible. I eat leftovers, I do all that sort of stuff. so um, yeah, it's just the little things do add up to be a lot. Um, I I live too far to walk to work but walking to work and biking to work does save a lot of money Um, leaving your car at home can save your bank Um, so it's just these little things that you don't notice because there's 20 little things but if you cut 10 of them you'll notice the big difference then Um, so it's where you can save those little dollars can mean if you're prioritising what you want if you, and that's a house, that can be a deposit very quickly rather than, particularly Sky I bring up a lot because it costs so much and I haven't had it in a few years now and I haven't missed it and I play rugby for a living so I should be watching as much sport as <laughs> anyone else. But,
0: but <laughs> <that's the time. laughs> I can't <be> <laughs> Nah, mate, up, up. You, you said it was, it was quite harsh, but it was it was one of those those conversations where yeah you, you know and and I'd been tracking along my expenses and, and you're right you know buying coffees and and I wasn't going out but um there's there's plenty of other things that that uh, I was spending money on and it was it was it was good to have a good look at it and 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 really be conscious of where's this money going and what what are the priorities and and sure enough a couple of months later managed to join you on the ladder which was which is awesome, and and whilst it it, do, it doesn't end there, because because like you, like you mentioned, the debt the debt get, gets on you, but um, the the priority of, of having a roof over just makes that bit of freedom really good. And um, as you said, it's, it's for me debt's force
1: saving, so debt's never a bad thing. It's the only way up up the ladder. Um, I've got a family of accountants that would take that any day out of the way. <laughs>
0: had that drilled into me since I was five. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's that that's pro- probably something quite good to have that good relationship with, with money and, and also the uh, farming background, you know, investing in things that one day bring bring about, you know, prosperity I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mate, so you're not just a rugby player or, or a or an engineer or, or a businessman, but you're a big big game fisherman. Can you talk us through what it's like, like, what it's like to catch a big tuna?
1: Oh, mine wasn't the biggest tuna, unfortunately. But um, I personally didn't think I'd ever catch a bluefin tuna in my life. Uh, they're pretty rare little beasts. Um, uh, never, I'd never seen one. I'd never thought about catching one. And my brother suddenly chucked out a SOS for a boatman, and I jumped on, took the trip up to Waihao Bay and yeah, it was a beautiful day, blue skies, no wind and chugged around for half an hour or so, got out there and then chugged around for half an hour and then we had a strike and um, luckily I was on the bot- on the rod at the time, just in by a minute as I keep telling my mate. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, incredible animals, they pull like nothing else, I mean I, mine was... 70 kgs, I think, and the biggest of the day was 115 or something like that, Um, so mine was a wee one, Um, but it still took me 25 minutes to haul in, Um, almost dragged me out of the boat a couple of times, Um, they're incredible animals to catch, they fight like nothing else, they're pure little nuggets of muscle, (laughs) and if you've played against uh, Ricky Riccatelli or something like that, you know what a nugget of muscle is, so (laughs) Um, they're strong little bastards. Um, So yeah, no, it was a bit of fun, it was an absolute honour to be able to catch one. Uh, We drove it home that night and within about six hours of getting it on the boat, we were eating it, which um, I think would probably be as as fresh a tuna as I've ever eaten by a long way and... Geez, it was tasty. That's probably the best thing of it all. I got to cut. I got it. Got to cut it up too, which was actually quite difficult. I didn't see it coming. But,
0: um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Difficult was oh, There's a lot of meat on those things. Yeah. Like we got between the two, me and my brother caught one each, and between it we got just over 100 kgs of meat. So, yeah, it was pretty special.
0: Pretty, pretty special. <laughs> very special. Um, on on um, nuggets of muscle and, and animals that fight like nothing, what would be your spirit animal and why?
1: Polar bear. Definitely a polar bear. Uh, uh, um, I'll probably make up a little bit of this why um, for now, but they've always been my favorite animal. They're um, a little bit isolated, I suppose. I like my space and I'm a bit independent. Um, but they're big white people, big white things as well. And I'm a pretty big white boy, so uh, it probably suits me quite well, to be honest. <laughs> nice,
0: mate. <Yeah. laughs> um, do you have a daily routine or a pre match routine? And, and why do you do those things?
1: Um, daily routine. So much, I kind of let the day come at me as it goes um, my days change a lot and uh, my day really depends on what our work schedule is um, because things change, I mean in the ITM Cup, some days we play Wednesdays so it's hard to have one day routine when each day is different um, and each week's different so with Super Rugby we travel a bit so when the day you travel changes the week again um, so it's hard, a bit hard to that, do that but my Game day routine would probably be the one day that is similar-ish, even if we play at different times. Um, I try and get up early, um, as early as possible, usually. Well, not that early, really. But 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock is early enough. Um, have a good feed. The first half of the day is if I'm at home, I'm either either chilling out around the house, cleaning up little things, doing the bathrooms and all those jobs that I try and avoid all the rest of the week. It's usually because I'm bored at home. Um, I can't do too much physical activity on the game day, so I try and do very very relaxed things, and unfortunately, cleaning is one of those relaxed jobs that don't take too much physical activity. Um, And then from there, it's about, at a 7.30 game, about midday, it starts ramping up, I pretty much eat and then go to the gym for a quick gym. It's half an hour or so. Um, then we have our team units. So the team comes together. We do some line-outs. We do a little bit of few team things, a bit of a meeting. Um, and then we have another pre-match feed. So it's a lot of eating. Um, that's just the way it is on our game day. And then I get strapped. I go to home, have a quick nap, and then come straight back in. So I've got pretty much... Between the last meal and being back in, it's about two and a half hours, so I get strapped, go home, have a half-hour nap, have a shower, pack my bag and get straight back in. Um, It's a bit of a rush, but it's how I like it. I don't like to have a lot of downtime because it means I think about the game and then I get nervous and then just hits the fan, I suppose. Um, So being rushed and being off my feet and not having time to think is perfect for me. I like to leave everything to the last minute, so I don't. So I don't have time to think. Um, so I don't do anything rugby-wise up until 2:30 probably. I start ramping into it from 12, but 2:30 it just goes bang, 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 and then I'm on the bus. We go to the stadium wherever we are, and then it's all go from then. And then after the game, depending on our thing, it's a few beers or no beers and hang out with the team, usually I try and hang out with the team or family, um, if I've got family around I like to catch up with them, but usually because I'm full of caffeine and wired up on adrenaline and all that sort of stuff, I don't usually get to bed until about 2.30, um, alcohol or no alcohol, um, so yeah, it's a long day, I'm usually up at 7 and down at 2.30 in the morning, so I'm pretty shattered the next day and yeah, it all, yeah so it all starts again. On sun, um, Sunday, you really start the next week rather than having a day off. You've either got travel or recovery um, and generally two to three hours of recovery and computer work and preparing for day one. So it's not a real schedule, I suppose, but it's, I've got certain things that I like to do at certain times and that day is the most important day of my week, so it's really important I nail those things for me.
0: And um, like you said, if you spread out those things too much over the day, you'd start thinking about them too much and you like them sort of bang, bang, bang. Does that follow into your game? Are you, are you a quite sort of one job at a time, do it well, do it fast and, and on the next thing sort of player? Or, or have you mapped out your whole game or is that the thing you're in danger of doing if you if you think about things too long?
1: Um, I don't know about that do it fast though. I don't think I've ever done that. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I don't think that's that far ahead. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a leader who has to have a bit of a plan. Um, it's more of a broad picture, though, because I, don't do, because I know nothing's going to go my way. That's why I have a perfect plan. Um I've just have my mind I see a plan, I know I figure out how to break the plan before I start a picture. Mail out often. a solution. Everything that goes wrong, I try and have a solution for everything that could go wrong. Um, or we're uh, in here, this is how I fix it. So, as a leader, I don't really have a plan, but I always, I have, I've got a lot of solutions in my mind. Um, for things that go badly, there's always a fix somewhere. So, it's just a matter of finding which one of those having a lot of them in my head so I can pull cool one out of the box as as I can. So, no, no plan. Do my job, do it as best as I can. When we've got a bit of time off, have a breath and have a think of how things are going. i uh, in goal, but I don't have a plan of how to get there.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I'll let you get off for the evening, mate. It's been absolutely awesome to talk to you. Um, where can people find you? See crazy haircuts of Mitch Graham? Um, the Instagram's uh, MitchGraham01.
1: Um, yeah, it's got a, a do up there, so yeah, I've got a few good shots on it. So um, come give me a like, and if you've got any questions, message me or something like that. Um, I don't answer to everyone, but... Um,
0: cool mate thanks very much for this Um, cheers um, cheers. thanks mate thank you so much for listening to the episode again we apologise that the quality failed there a little bit at the end but as I'm sure you will have heard some quality advice there from a really complete person. Um, it was a great pleasure interviewing Mitch, and I took a lot out of that. Of course, the episode's brought to you by Waikito. If you're interested in trialing exogenous ketones for better clarity, better energy, better weight loss, better recovery, Head along to waiket0.experienceketo.com for all your exogenous ketones needs. That's waiketo.experienceketo.com Fill in your details and we'll get in contact with you as soon as possible. I like to use ketones each day. We're on to the max now solely. Going between Sis Cow and Maui Punch. It really keeps me going in the afternoon. No 330-itis. And then when it comes to the rugby field, those small efforts, ready to go straight away again. Um, it's quite unbelievable the first time you try exogenous ketones. There's a lot of hype around it. Plenty of podcasters such as Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, uh, all talking about it. Great interviews, both of them with... The founder of Exogenous Ketones, Dom Diagostino. The science out there is pretty amazing. I was quite thankful for it when I got concussion during the season. It meant I was able to continue what I was doing, giving my brain an alternative fuel source whilst it was in an injury state and could no longer process the glucose quite as efficiently. So no brain fog, no tiredness, uh, got rid of the headaches pretty fast, and I was pretty thankful of that. So If you'd like to have a trial of exogenous ketones, head over to waiket0.experienceketo.com. Thanks very much.